Hey there, it's Colin, host of the Mod Golf Podcast. I had the opportunity to attend the PGA Merchandise Show, and I'm going to share with you the most innovative people, organizations, startups, and experiences I saw during my four days in Orlando. If you're unfamiliar with the 66th Annual PGA Show, it attracts over 40,000 PGA professionals, along with over 1,000 golf company exhibitors and buyers. I recorded so many great interviews while at the PGA Show that we decided to create two episodes. On part one of our PGA Show recap, I featured conversations from our Mod Golf Podcast live show that included interviews with Hype Sports Innovation about their Shark Tank-like golf industry pitch event called the Global Golf Innovation Challenge. On part two of our PGA Show coverage, I feature a diverse group of entrepreneurs and innovative companies. We start off with an amazing woman I had the privilege to meet during the Diversity Roundtable Workshop, hosted by We Are Golf and previous episode guest, Dr. Michael Cooper. So I had the chance during the PGA show to go to an event called the Diversity Roundtable Workshop, which was facilitated by one of my previous guests, Dr. Michael Cooper, or Coop as he is known. And I met lots of amazing people, but I met this fabulous woman that we're going to interview right now. And this is Azucena Maldonado, who is the founder of Latina Golfers Association or Latina Golfers. And with that, Azucena, welcome to the podcast. And I'd love to hear your story. Gracias, gracias. I am delighted to be here. And it was such a pleasure to meet you as well. Wasn't it an amazing show, the PGA Expo and Conference? It really was. So, so hey, first of all, uh, I want to dig into what you learned from the Diversity Roundtable and your insights there. But hey, give us the pitch. Tell us what Latina Golfers is all about and why you created it. Latina Golfers Association is a movement that we started 10 years ago to welcome women and Latinas in particular to the world of golf. In these 10 years, and we're so proud to be celebrating 10 years in the world of golf, We have, just in Southern California alone, enlisted 1,500 members. Wow. And these are hard members. These are women that we have touched, women that have come to our golf clinics, our golf lessons, our golf outings. We even do golf tournaments for women. But I'll tell you my story. I am not a person that grew up in the world of golf. I didn't know anything about golf prior to Latina Golfers Association. I am an immigrant from Mexico, so uh, golf is really not in my field of reference. And then one day, when I moved to California 15 years ago, soon after that, a gentleman invited me on a date. And on our second date, Miguel Fernandez, an avid golfer, took me to the golf course. Uh And... He took me to the putting green. He purchased a putter for me and he showed me how to putt. And at that moment, I fell in love with the game. So for three years that I dated Miguel Fernandez, a crazy avid golfer, I was immersed in the world of golf. That's all we did. He was so committed to teaching me that he would take me literally three times a week to the golf course to teach me how to play golf. So I was immersed in the world of recreational golf. I had a blast. I loved it. All I wanted to do was get my handicap down. I just wanted to play, 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 play. That's all I did for three years in my social life, right? And then after three years of playing golf, someone invited me to play in a charity golf tournament. I had no idea what it was. I knew I was a little bit confident in my game at that point. So I attended and I was totally blown away. I was amazed that there was this 
atmosphere of people that are professionals in the business world who were having an amazing time all around golf and doing business and nurturing relationships all around golf, which was my number one love at that time. So I just fell in love with it. And I said, oh my God, this is amazing. But what was glaring to me in that tournament, and at that point I started playing in many golf tournaments, charity tournaments. Right. And I realized that there was always a field of over a hundred men and a handful, if that many women and fewer Latinas at that. Initially I thought, oh my gosh, what is going on here? What's because I, I didn't know, I only knew golf as a recreation, right? I didn't understand the golf industry, what was going on. I just knew that I loved it and I wanted more women to take advantage of what was happening at these business golf outings. So at that point, I said, you know, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to do something about it. And I started Latina Golfers Association, and that was 10 years ago. I didn't know what I was doing. I was not connected to the world of golf. I was just a recreational golfer that saw a need. And I guess I am instinctively an activist. And I said, I've got to do this. And it has blossomed since then. (laughs) I love it. What what I love there, you are a, a true pure entrepreneur in the sense it's like you just jumped off the cliff and learned how to fly on your way down or built the airplane on the way down or the parachute. That is so true. That's exactly what it was. I just knew that I was driven. I had a passion for it. I knew that I was touched by the magic of golf because golf has the power to transform people's lives certainly in our community. And for women, it can be an amazing business tool. And I wanted to show us how do we connect to that? How do we gain access to the world of golf and people involved in the golf world? And and all I needed to do was just introduce them. And they all wanted to be a part of it. There's a, a word you used a couple of times that recurred there, and that was invite or invitation. Sounds like your boyfriend at the time, Miguel, is Miguel, was it, you said? Yes, Miguel. He's not my boyfriend, but he's still my golf buddy. <laughs> Sounds like he's quite the gentleman, quite the uh, caballero there that he yeah. invited you. And also he didn't put a driver in your hand and all those barriers to entry of, of it being difficult and intimidating. He took you to the putting green and he bought you the club, all those things to ease the onboarding there and, and the welcoming of it, right? This is what I realized. Had Miguel not invited me, and made it easy for me to transition into this world of golf, I may not be a golfer today. And so that is what I kept thinking about initially. What did it take for me to even visit a golf course? Otherwise, there really would be no reason for me to be at the golf course. And so I took all of that and I take a look at welcoming women to golf basically based on my experience, which is relatively an outsider to the world of golf. And so I look at it through that lens. I understand the intimidation. Right. I understand why I was never interested in golf or thought about golf. And I translate all of that into what is going to be welcoming to somebody that has never had golf in their lives. So what, what I find is difficult for people that are in the golf industry If you will notice, many of them have grown up around golf. Their entire lives, their parents played golf, their friends played golf. They all were raised around golf. They don't really understand what it's like not to have golf in your life. Mm -hmm. So they don't understand the intimidation, what it takes to get somebody to the golf course. It's so natural for them. 
it's not natural for somebody that's never been to a golf course. And the stereotypes surrounding the world of golf keep many people away. So what we do is break down those cultural and gender barriers, which the beauty of it is that that's exactly what golf does. Absolutely. Golf, right? And that's what I love about golf, that it doesn't matter that I'm a woman, that I'm a Latina. You know what? I'm a golfer. And golfers welcome golfers. And that's just it. We're part of a golf family. And that is what I love about golf. This is good stuff. I could talk to you for an hour right now, but I'm going to hold all that other stuff inside you, which I know seeing your energy in person, that's probably almost impossible to do, but we already discussed this. I am going to have you as a full episode guest in a couple months time. So we're going to really expand upon this conversation then. So we got to hold all that in there as a Santa right now. Don't, don't let it out. But to finish up, I want you to tell us a little bit about your experience with the Diversity Roundtable workshop at the PGA show. Tell us about that, please. It was really wonderful to be in that room because I was surrounded by people who, like myself, are passionate about golf and are passionate about sharing golf with everybody we know, people in our respective communities. I love to see their energy, their passion, and really the work behind what they are doing. I mean, it it doesn't just happen. We work this. We work really hard to introduce our community to golf. So it was great to get new ideas, to share our success stories. And it was just wonderful to have that one time in the year when we can all get together and rejoice together, fellowship together, and learn from each other. It was a super, super high for me. Amazing. And I'm so glad that I was invited to participate in that. I did show up a little bit late, unfortunately, but I had the chance to meet you. So the fact they were so welcoming and invited me, I had a chance to meet you and my life is better for that. So I love it. Me too. Good stuff. So why don't we leave it at that for now? So as Asana Maldonado, the founder of the Latinas Golfers Association, thanks so much for spending the time here today. And I look forward to talking to you again very soon. My pleasure. All right. Hasta luego. As I mentioned, the Latina golf story is so compelling and Azucena's energy is so infectious that we've invited her back for a full episode guest appearance during the next season of the Mod Golf Podcast. Next up are four conversations I had with a diverse mix of golf companies, ranging from early startups to established industry players, all of them focused on innovation, experimentation, and an entrepreneurial mindset that connects their products and experiences to new customer markets. So, hey, I had the chance to see a presentation by Tag Marshall, and they're doing some amazing things, really interesting things in the innovative space for golf. And I now have with me Bodo Sieber, who is the CEO of Tag Marshall. Bodo, thanks for joining me. So tell us a bit about what's going on with Tag Marshall. Give us your elevator pitch. What is Tag Marshall and what problem do you solve in the golf marketplace? Yeah, Colin, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, we are solving uh, one of the main or major challenges in golf, and that is that it takes a lot of time to play. It's a big time commitment. And from an operator standpoint, who we effectively serve because we are business-to-business technology, a golf course is a, a big operation to run and manage. The on-course uh, is often vast spaces, and there's lots of variables. 
and variables that are difficult to control and such as uh, playing groups that might behave in an irrational way sometimes. Yeah. So what we do is we make sure that those variables get controlled. There's oversight and uh, we've created a system that allows for live management of the play and it allows for analytics and, and data-driven decision-making to make sure that there's optimization. So ultimately what happens is the course gets balanced and there's smoother play out there, which brings the round times down. And that is something that members and players are very, very happy about because it's difficult to do that consistently well. And this is something that keeps a lot of people from playing golf. And I'm sure that you would have been in a situation where you said, I can't actually make it. I can't actually go and play because what if it goes over and I've got things to do? So what we're doing is we bring in consistency into the space and, and we're making golf quicker. And that is good for the game. I love to hear these stories. I want to hear that aha moment for Tag Marshall. Well, when did you start developing the product, form the company? And this is a B2B place, so your customers are golf course owners and operators, I'm assuming. So what leap in value do you present to them that uh, will make them change from what they're doing? Because as we know, change management is the toughest thing to get people to convert. So how have you managed to convert people also? Uh, yeah, maybe I can just combine the answer to your multi-tier question here. So seeing that we're at the PGA show, 2015 was our first PGA show. So that's when we first presented. Right. The Tiger Marshall journey began probably 18 months before that, where I have a technology background. I've worked in business intelligence and with business systems for a decade before Tiger Marshall happened. And a good friend of mine who I had kept tabs with from university days came to me and said, I'm playing golf this weekend. And on the 15th hole, there were three groups stuck and we tried to phone management and they said, oh, sorry, our, our ranger or our marshal is on the first nine or maybe he's having lunch. And he was just distraught that there is not a better way to do this smarter so that uh, he's taken the time. He's eventually out. It's a beautiful day. And now he felt like management and, and the course had ruined the experience because they just kept waiting and they kept being held back and they kept being held up. So he came to us and said, guys, there's got to be something we could do here. And my business partner and I at the time, we had the tools to give it the right energy and the right thoughts. And, uh, and we built an MVP fairly quickly and tested with local courses. And a short while later, we presented at the PGA show in 2015. And talking to new exhibitors at the PGA show, there's two questions that you normally get asked does this really work and the other one is are you going to be around next year yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh, we got a bit lucky and uh, in that uh, three months later Aaron Hills phoned us and Aaron Hills uh, they're now on everybody's radar as a, as a bucket list course because they hosted an amazing 2017 US Open Yes. and Jim Lombardo and his team there they took the leap as our first US customer and they have been fantastic partners to us that was a great market entry we got a bit lucky uh, sure but we did have a product that worked nicely yeah, so in the last couple of years, then we went uh, from the first 10 to the first 30 to the first 100 to the first 200. And it's been an amazing journey for us. And, and so the key thing that we bring into the space is that by optimizing the player experience and by optimizing on-course operations, we actually make operators money and optimizing the revenue opportunities. And this is something that, that sticks in the daily fee and resort space. And when it comes to the private club space, experience trumps all and experience is everything. And a course that has an experience advantage over their competitors will attract more members and will also retain their members better. And this is where the on-course management and this is where the pace of play, the flow of play, the rhythm on the course, how long does it take to play is so key. And it's high on the agenda also of the USGA, pace of play. And it's a key industry priority. 74% of players say this is critical to them, that the pace and the flow is right. And the only thing that's higher is 82% of players are saying they want a nicely conditioned course. 
Now, the operators know that, which is why half of their budget goes into that. Millions of dollars goes into course conditioning. But the traditional ways of managing the course and presenting the course when it comes to the pace, the flow, and everything that moves on it are very limited. And this is where technology helps with line of sight. And we've created proprietary preemptive algorithms that make sense of everything that moves so that the operators ultimately don't have to go look for problems, but they can go and manage players and manage the experience. And that is a very different outlook on managing the pace because now we're turning a policing function to an experience function. And this is something that's very exciting for players and operators alike. And like I said, if it's good for their revenue base and if it's good for their budget, then it's certainly something that has got lots of growth opportunities. Yeah, what I love about this, you talked about, you mentioned two things, that you've made the emotional connection and the economic connection also for customers. And that's what you need to do uh, on the experiential side and the and the revenue and the saving side. Also, the other thing I like here for our listeners here that are golf entrepreneurs or thinking about a startup and don't know where to start, Bodo mentioned the term MVP. We've mentioned that on the, on the program before. So that's a minimal viable product. So they started out just testing something with only a couple of features, got it into the market, got some feedback, got the product market fit, and then you've scaled. And you are in on how many U.S. golf courses? Yeah, we, we work with 200. Amazing. And we're very uh, blessed also to work with eight of the top 10 U.S. public courses. So that includes your Aaron Hills, your Whistling Straits, Kiowa, including the 2019 U.S. Open hosts, um, and also a lot of really, really good private clubs like Oakmont and uh, top 100 private clubs. So they see the opportunity. And obviously, these guys are leaders in the field. And what's nice to see for us is that we've got a tiered uh, offering. We've got a tiered pricing structure. There's lots of value that we can add to the middle of the market as well. And this is obviously where the biggest opportunity lies for us because that's where most of the golf gets played. Uh, absolutely. So so once again, all you golf entrepreneurs out there, don't try to create something that you, you're just waiting for it to be perfect because there never is a perfect and just hold off on launching that. Get it into the market as Tag Marshall has done and then observe and listen to your customers, your first customers, and then you can start to iterate and change and get that feedback loop going and add more features and refine it and expand it as you go, which obviously you've done here. So Bodo, hey, I'm going to let you go. I'm sure you got to get back to the show and talk to another 500 people before the show ends. Here, so I want to thank you for spending some time with us today and, and telling us about Tag Marshall. So thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Colin. Uh, really appreciate it. And and what you said is absolutely right. And so we are also very happy to have a lot of our existing customers come around and, and see us at the show here. And, and um, our team have created special data reports for them. So uh, your initial customers and your customers are your your best partners. And when it comes to making your product better, when it comes to industry fit, and also they're fantastic referrers. If you give them the, a good service and a good product, they almost feel like they're part of your journey and it really goes a long way and looking after the first 10 the first 100 uh, as well as you can and, and things normally start working out from there that's some great uh, entrepreneurial advice one last thing where can our listeners learn more about tag marshall where can they find you thank you colin yeah we're online at tagmarshall.com that's t-a-g marshall1l.com there's a lot of good industry leading webinars that we have on there with some of our partners like a Jim Lombard from Inhills that I mentioned and also this week at the PGS show we have a conference session that we've booked with a few of our key power users where they tell their story of how the system adds value and how it's changed operation good stuff all right we'll leave it at that I'll let you get back to it all right Bodo thanks so much for your time today thanks Colin have a great show so I bumped into John Claffey, who is the Vice President of Marketing with TourEdge, and I had the pleasure of being invited out on the Monday to Lake Nona for the Multi-Manufacturers Media Day. 
I loved it. They were showing real thought leadership in the innovation space with Tour Edge. So, hey, I stopped John here, want to catch up with him and hear how the show has gone and hear about the innovative things that Tour Edge is doing. So, hey, John, good to see you again. Hey, it's great to see you again too, Colin. So, hey, let's start with the Monday. So the Multi-Manufacturers Media Day at Lake Nona. Can you talk about why Tour Edge puts this together and what it really means to the company and to yourself? Yeah, absolutely. This is our, our 14th year of doing it. And it's really the only time that I know of where manufacturers come together for one common cause. And that is the Monday before everybody is running around the PGA show floor and with their schedules and 30-minute meetings at every little booth. You get some time to make your pitch to the who's who of golf media. So we had 180 people on site. We had 120 golfers and they all showed up at eight in the morning. Breakfast was served and they sit down and they listen to about six press conferences from our gold sponsors. And we've been heading this up for, yeah, 14 years. We make no money off of it. We make just enough to cover the expenses of renting out the golf course and giving prizes to the media and media samples, as we say it. So we had guys like Lampkin Grips and KBS Shafts and Shot Scope and Tag Marshall got a chance to speak in front of a room full of, uh, of media who were taking notes and they were doing their all their blogging and podcasting and filming on site. Then we head out after the press conferences. We have other sponsors that are set up on the range and they get a chance to talk to each media member and give them some samples and and they have a chance to hit tour edge clubs out there and then the media gets out to go and play a nice private course like lake nona and so it's kind of a win-win for everybody the media loves the day because they get a lot of their work out of the way before the show even starts and they get a nice day of golf out there at Lake Nona. And the sponsors get a chance to talk to these guys before the show even starts and gets their messaging with the right people ahead of time. So it's kind of a brilliant idea that was put into place 14 years ago and something that we're going to keep doing hopefully for another 14, 15 years. Yeah, and, and I loved it. And thank you again for inviting me out there. My regret, as you very well know, was I was not able to stick around to play around a golf because I had to get back to the conference to prepare for my first speaking engagement the next day. So yeah, next year I will make sure... <laughs> that I get to play that course or wherever you end up being. But what I loved also was these weren't just pitches or infomercials that these uh, organizations and companies were doing. They were showing real innovation in, in the way they presented. I, I really enjoyed it. It was more than I was expecting. I was, to be honest, I was braced for more of a sales pitch and it wasn't that at all. They told the story of the company and they talked about the innovation and the true innovation that they were bringing to the market and the backstory to that. And of course, since it was your media day, you were the last ones to go and you were also showing what the new innovative products you were bringing to market and releasing this year and I had a chance to swing a couple of those before I had to head off so why don't you tell us with exotics and some of the other things that you're doing the truly innovative products that you've brought to market for 2019 with Tour Edge. Absolutely. Our, our president and our founder, David Glad, who, is, who started Tour Edge 33 years ago, was the one speaking at the event. And he let everybody know that this is the year of exotics for us. And, and so in November, we launched the Exotics EXS line. And our marketing slogan behind that is pound for pound, nothing else comes close. And what we mean by that is that the driver, for example, the EXS driver has all the technology that you would find in a $600 driver from some of the bigger manufacturers these days, but got a price tag of $299 on it. So it, it's priced to move, but it's also performing just as well as, as these $600 drivers. So basically what we've done is remove the hype charge yeah. that a lot of these bigger manufacturers are putting into their clubs these days, helping to pay for their, their big tour contracts and their multi-million dollar ad, ad budgets. It's being passed on down to the consumer. And we love that, Colin, because everybody is trending upwards in price. Right. And what we've seen is that they've left a, a sweet spot available for us to, to own. And it's a, it's a niche that we'll happily own 
and by giving the consumer more bang for their buck. And that's what we've always been about. But now we're able to do it in the ultra premium market, at a, say like a price point that golfers are used to for the last 10 years. $2.99 has been the sweet spot for drivers. So we're able to offer all this technology and innovation for a great price. And yeah, what we, we think pound for pound is the best deal in the business. So that's what our entire EXS line is about. We have a fairy wood and a, and a hybrid. and They're just loaded with tech, but they're, they're all at a great price. We also have a, a new EXS iron that we're calling the longest, new longest irons in golf. So it's got a lot of technology behind it. It's got aggressive lofts, but it's got the same apex heights that you would find in a standard set. So it's quite the technology that someone's going to be able to go out and hit this iron and gain about 10 yards per club. So it's, it's like gaining, going up one club even more in your set while having the same ball flight that you're used to. So it's, it's quite the revolutionary set. I really do like what, if I can jump in here, I love what you're doing. Because I'll be honest, in the year and a half and 60 episodes that we've done of the Mod Golf podcast, I have not spoken to one golf equipment manufacturer or company. And that's been intentional. And the reason being is I, I truly believe most of them, they say they're innovative and they're disruptive, but they're not. It's this race to the bottom. Everybody's just fighting over the same competition. On the podcast, we talk a lot about blue ocean strategies as, as unlocking new markets or uncontested market space with value rather than just the race at the bottom and fighting over the scraps. And I love what you're doing with the driver. The example I've given in the hotel space is providing a five-star hotel for a three-star price. In a way, that's what you're doing. You think that's a fair analogy with what you're doing with your driver technology? Oh, I love what you just said, Colin, because we spent, it's not that we just came to this by chance. We uh, we spent about a year in research and development and, and studying golf and, and finding out that, okay, there's 24 million golfers in the United States. There's 8 million core golfers that play more than a dozen times a year. Yeah. And we found there's about 3 to 4 million of those core golfers that just can't afford a, a driver that's 599. And so there's this latent demand that has built up over the years where they're, we call them discerning golfers on a budget. Yeah. And what this means is they go in and they look at all the new innovation, they look at all the new product, and they, they like what they see, but they're just never going to be able to afford that $600 driver. It's just out of their price range. They don't want to spend that much. Yes. And so they'll, they'll walk around the shop and be a tire kicker and say, oh, well, I'll wait another six months till it's on closeout, or in six months, there'll be just another new model just like it. I'll check it out then. The fact is they never end up buying. So we found this latent demand exists, and we presented that to our buyers and said, you know, here's our research. And we're not stealing sales away from a guy who's going to be buying a Callaway or a TaylorMade. We're actually reaching a golfer that you haven't been able to reach in a couple of years because of their mindset, because of their budget. So these are golfers that are good golfers. They're probably 15 handicap or below. They care about the PGA Tour and, and what happens on tour, but they also care about shapes and setup and address and innovation, that the changing weights and the adjustability. They care about all that, but they're never going to be the guy that rushes out on day one and buys a $600 driver. So we found that latent demand exists, and we put it into uh, this whole plan into motion, and strategically, it's absolutely worked in our favor. We feel like we own that niche again, where we are the only ones doing it right now. So it's, it's what's led us to this extreme growth that we've experienced over the last few years. Yeah. And what you're doing here, once again, I don't know if you're familiar with this business philosophy of Blue Ocean Strategy, but just that idea, like Cirque du Soleil, for example, as compared to the regular circus, they're unlocking a completely different audience and a different market and a much bigger one, just like you're doing with your drivers. What I, I love about what you're doing, it's called value innovation, where rather than you got the trade-off, I'm sure most equipment companies say, okay, either the price drops then the quality and the performance drops where you're not doing that. It's not an either or, it's an and. We can actually lower the price, that's with our technology and innovation, and the performance actually goes up. 
And when those two things intersect right in the middle there, you've got this great opportunity and it sounds like you're uh, unlocking that market. So I didn't even think of that story or know that story before we had this conversation. That's exciting stuff, John. Yeah, you know, it's a way for us to be disruptive and, and change the, the scene at the point of sale. And we're training the store guys out there to say, well, all right, we, you may have come in looking for these big brand names that led you in here. But, you know, we're also doing advertising ourselves, a lot of advertising on Golf Channel and leading people into the stores. But if somebody comes in asking for those big brand names, we've got the guy in the store floor going, well, you know, hey, you're hitting that great, but why don't we just take a look at how you're hitting this new driver from Tour Edge and let's just look at the numbers and they won't even mention anything about price. They'll look at how the flight simulator numbers are coming in and then they'll see how that goes. And if we're outperforming them, they obviously they're going to say, sir, I just want to let you know this driver is $200 less than that <laughs> one, the other one and you've got better numbers with it. So yeah. we're seeing a ton of sales come through that way. That's, that's amazing. Congratulations on that. So, hey, hey just I know you got to get back to other things here. So we're just uh, doing a quick conversation today. But also with Tour Edge, can you talk about what else you do to differentiate yourself in the innovation space? Because you certainly are not doing, you're not going down the same path as the other club manufacturers. And that is, of course, part of your secret sauce. Is it part of the culture and part of the messaging and combined with the technology and the products? Or what else do you do to differentiate yourself in the market there, John? Yeah, there is some of that. We're a 33-year-old U.S.-owned and operated company. We build 95% of our clubs here in Batavia, Illinois. So there's not many companies that can say that. In fact, I don't think there's any that can say that. If any, it would be, Ping would be close, but we take a lot of pride in, in that. And, you know, we're like a family business here with our owner and, uh, and founder being our master club designer. He's become one of the preeminent master club designers in the business. His name's David Glott. And, and so he's a big reason, the only reason why we're sitting here today is because his mindset for innovation and using different materials that nobody else has thought to use. Another big messaging point for us is that we feel like we're the, the golf company that stands behind their product the most. We offer golf's only lifetime warranty. We also have a custom fitting program for our Hot Launch 3 product where we deliver our custom fitting orders back to the consumer in 48 hours guaranteed. Right. We really stand behind our product in, in our back end and we take a lot of pride in our customer service. And that's kind of what makes Tour Edge allowed us to survive through the tough times in the golf industry. That's kind of what separates us from the big manufacturers. But we are now leapfrogging a lot of companies. And we used to tell people we were a top 10 golf club manufacturer in, in most market share numbers. And now we're starting to be able to say we're, we're top six. We've come a long way, but it's allowed us to kind of get into these tour waters where we're, we're signing tour players and had a great story from just the other day to start off PGA show week. We were at our national sales conference with 50 of our reps and our top brass. And we, we were at our awards dinner and we're all watching Tom Lehman climb the leaderboard on the champions tour in, in Hawaii. And we had just signed Tom to a deal to wear our logo on his shirt. We all went out to the hotel bar and watched Tom win. And you've never heard a, a cheer so loud for a Champions Tour event in your life. <laughs> we were high-fiving. And it just kind of goes to show how we're, we're just getting started and signing tour players to wear our logos. But here, right out of the gates, three days after we announced Tom came on board with us to do this, he wins and, and our company just goes crazy. And we sent the video to Tom and his brother and right. they wrote us back. That's the coolest thing we've ever seen. So, I mean, it just shows you how much we care and how much we're invested in these tour players, and how it's a new investment for us, but how it's taking us to new heights. So we're going to have four guys on the Champions Tour that are wearing our logos and our hats and carrying our bags. And so it's a, it's a new day for Tour Edge where we're doing. So we're doing a little bit more like the big guys, but it helps with that validation for us. And it gives us some, some sexy stuff to talk about. There you go. So Tour Edge is an overnight success, 33 years in the making, huh? That's exactly right. That is exactly what's <laughs> happened here. And uh, we're having as much fun as we've ever had. And 
that's what it's all about for us. Sounds good. Well, next time I talk to you, I want to learn more about the culture, not only inside the company, but also the tribe and the fierce loyalty you have from all your customers. So, hey, we're going to have to get you on again so we can actually talk about those things and much more. So, hey, John, enjoy the rest of the show. And uh, hey, thanks for joining me on the Mod Golf podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Colin. If you're ever in uh, the Chicago area, look us up. We'll have you come check out our facility. Good stuff. Love that. All right, John, you take care. Have a good show. All right. Thanks, Colin. So I've got Ryan Engel, who is the founder of GolfScope, with me here today. I did have the chance to interview Ryan during our live radio podcast at the PGA show, but I'm recording this after that, a couple of days after the show, because I screwed up on the technical end. I had this great conversation with Ryan, and I don't know, I technically, I, it's, I own it, my fault lost it, but here we are. We're going to actually recreate that because Ryan, uh, as you know, we did a podcast episode talking about virtual reality, mixed reality, augmented reality, and the future of golf, which aligns really nicely with what you're doing with GolfScope. So, hey, first of all, Ryan, welcome to the podcast again, and tell us a bit about GolfScope. Colin, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Just for you, if I had a dollar for every time I've made a technical mistake, I wouldn't have to be on the show. So I, I feel much better. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's my job to write code. So yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about GolfScope. GolfScope AR is an app that is currently out for your iPhone. And what it does is it uses the iPhone camera and the device motion to actually create a 3D map of the green that you're on. And it uses that to generate a line from your ball to the hole. And it displays that line using augmented reality. So it'll show you a live 3D view of the line from your ball to the hole, taking into account all of the contours and any elevation changes. And it gives you a specific target to aim so that you can make every putt, assuming you can execute the putt. Right. And I have yet to download the app, but I am looking at, I've on the screen, I've got golfscope.com up here. And I did look at the video that you have on, on the green demonstrating what you're doing. It, it looks amazing. Let me ask you this. Is this with the new rules of golf? Is this compliant falling within the rules for recreational players? Uh, unfortunately, it is not currently compliant. We are actually working on a new version of GolfScope. It will include the current version, which uh, we consider to be a great practice tool, but not something that you could use in a tournament. And we plan on releasing a compliant version that will not show you the exact line, but it will show you arrows in AR overlaid on the green so that you can read the green yourself. But it'll be sort of like a more interactive version of a greens book, which is compliant. Gotcha. So, but myself as a recreational player, if I just went out today and played, I, no problem. This can definitely help me both on the practice screen, obviously as a training tool and also to enjoy my round of golf and hopefully getting less than my usual average of around 39 putts per round. <laughs> yeah, which needs to go down. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's really one of the goals. Another feature of the app is you can map out this screen, get yourself lined up. And then if you have a tripod or a friend, they can actually hold the phone and record a video of your putt. So that way you can see if you were able to hit it online. And based on uh, those recordings, you can practice and determine if you're pushing it or pulling it or uh, having other issues like that. 
Got it. So looking at your website again, it seems like the elevator pitch here, and I'll just read it. Golf Scope is an iPhone app that uses your phone's camera to understand the topography and speed of the putting green. So so what have you found so far with the validation in the market and testing this? How are you going about getting this in market and, and what type of traction? How many downloads do you have from the App Store already? Yeah, great questions. So far, the feedback has been very positive. A lot of people do like to use it as a practice tool and they will use it sort of on their recreational rounds. And a lot of people have come back and said, this really helped me understand how to read breaks better, even when I'm not using it, which is great. They say the visual just sort of helps them understand how a golf ball rolls. And the fact that most golfers don't realize the majority of the break is actually in the last third of the putt. So the first two thirds of the putt don't have nearly the same impact as the last third, because as the ball slows down, the break starts to take over. So a lot of people are, are giving us positive feedback there. And traction has been great so far. We launched the app and Apple was uh, gracious enough to feature the app in a number of ways. In September, it actually received their app of the day and that drove quite a few downloads. So we've had a lot of traction there. My Golf Spy also wrote a great article about it that you can find online. And so far we've had over 80,000 downloads and quite a few people are choosing to subscribe and continue to use the app fairly regularly, even during this off season. We're planning to do a big push for V2 of Golf Scope, which will be more focused on practice and more focused on drills, including drills and practice that you can do from your home while you're not on a golf course. That'll help you understand your putting even better. And our plan is to launch that in early April and do some marketing to try to get that in the hands of as many people as possible. Nice. And that, that leads into my next question about the opportunity for indoor practice with putting. That seems like a, a massive opportunity for you. Now, can you run through also for indoor putting experience in an augmented reality way? Would that also be with a real ball or would that be with a virtual ball that you're actually practicing with? Yeah. So I, our first version, we're planning on actually letting people just practice the putting stroke with just their phone without using a club or without using a ball. The reason for that is the putting stroke is so nuanced and such a relatively slow motion that does require incredible alignment and control that we've found we can actually use the phone combined with augmented reality to understand the tempo of your stroke, understand the alignment, whether the face is open, the face is closed, and then actually read the power of your stroke and convert that into a ball virtually rolling. So we believe we can create a, a pretty incredibly realistic putting experience with just your phone, no ball or club required. And then that's something that you, you could do anywhere. And we're planning on building out these sort of micro drills and micro practice routines that might take a minute or two that you could do while you're waiting for the bus or between meetings or really anywhere, any time of day, very little effort, but it'll just keep your mind thinking about putting. And putting is also such a fun activity and just can be such a simple thing that it's really sort of meditative and a big aspect of putting at least from my perspective, is the ability to get in the right mindset. And we believe that we can create drills that are like almost somewhat hypnotic, very simple things that just get you thinking about it, get you relaxed. And we hope that that translates to your performance on the green. Got it. So as a startup, I'm always curious to ask entrepreneurs this question. When you first released your minimum viable product, your, your first iteration of Golf Scope, the assumptions that you were making and the, the testing that you did, what have you learned since then 
and for V2 with the feedback that you've received from your customers and what they really like and what they like to focus on. And so what have you learned over that time between your original assumptions and testings that now you're realizing, hey, people like this part even more. Is there any insights you have on that side? Yes, definitely. I think for me, I've, I've never worked in the golf space before. I've been in the technology space. So the first big insight for me was how few people play golf between September and now. <laughs> right. It is a fairly dry spell and our data definitely backs that up. The other big insight is we have a lot of people downloading the app and they're very excited, but it may be a while before they're actually able to get to a golf green. And until you're on a golf green, there's not much you can do with the app. It's really made to read the break. Right. So the big takeaway there is we need to engage people the moment they download it, give them a reason to keep using it, even if they're not on the golf green, and then possibly even facilitate their ability to get to a golf green by working with folks that do tee time bookings. So if you're in the mindset of, I want to play golf, we can help you actually go ahead and just book a tee time and get out there and be thinking about golf scope while you're out there. The other big bit of feedback that we got that was great to hear is one of the other features of the app is after you've scoped a putt and it tells you the break, it'll actually ask you what happened with that putt. It'll ask you whether you made the putt, if not, how many strokes did it take you? And if it took you more than one stroke, where did your first ball end up? From that data, we're able to calculate strokes gained because we know the distance from the ball to the hole, and we're able to start to develop analysis around your actual stroke. For example, are you leaving it high more regularly? Are you leaving it low more regularly? Are you three-putting because your alignment's off or because you're hitting it way too hard or way too soft? And from that data, we can actually start to tell you where you should be practicing, which area of your game is not up to par, or which area of your game is significantly better than the average. So the feedback there has been great, and we see a lot of people leaving feedback after each putt to track their data and a lot of users writing in asking for the stats to be even more encompassing or even more visual or to be able to export them. So the fact that players are actually interested in their putting stats is something I wasn't sure would happen, but the response has been really positive there. Interesting. So you really started off as a pure augmented reality offering, and it sounds like you have the whole machine learning piece in play also as far as the data collection. Exactly. Which is great. Layering of those two things is really powerful. Yes, we're collecting the data, and our plan this year is to start utilizing the data and actually running some machine learning on the data so that we can start to send our users some insights and effectively become a great putting coach for them. Nice, nice. Okay, one more quick question to finish up with you here, Ryan. We're always about the future of golf on the Mod Golf Podcast. You must be excited about the potential of what you have here with Golf Scope as far as the layering of real-time competition in a virtual way around the world, the gamification of what you have here with the data. And is that something you're looking at? I know you don't want to try to boil the ocean all at once here. Maybe that's a V3 or a V4, but is that something you see in the future that you can actually start to have real-time competitions with people virtually using Golf Scope? Absolutely. That's exactly where we want to go. And we believe heavily in the future of VR. We also recognize it's not quite here yet, so we're not trying to overinvest in it just yet. But we believe that at some point in the future, let's call it the next 10 to 20 years, we actually think more putts are going to be hit virtually than on a real golf course. 
we also believe at least as many putts are going to be hit on a real golf course. So I'm not talking about cannibalizing golf. We love golf. We want golf to grow. But the potential for off-course golf and simulator golf and virtual reality golf is something incredibly exciting to us. And we've got some big plans there. We just need to make sure to uh, stay focused on what's presently available and grow our business wisely. But we're very excited for this future. Love it. Love it. Well, you and I will definitely have to have a follow-up conversation in a year's time or so, or maybe even sooner, because I really want to hear the progression that you've made with Golf Scope. But in the meantime, one last thing. Of course, you're you're on, on the App Store, where people can download Golf Scope from there. Uh, I also recommend going to golfscope.com, once again, to have a look at what they're doing. So rather than just hearing our words here, you can actually see some visuals of what Ryan and his team are creating. And is there the plan to release for Android users also in the near future? or you're holding off on that? There is the plan to release for Android. That is something that we would like to do this year. We don't have a specific timeline for when that release will be available, but it's definitely something that that we are working on. Good stuff. Well, Ryan, hey, thanks for taking the time for a second time here. I can, fingers crossed, I can guarantee that I managed to record this particular interview, which was just as solid as the first one. So thanks for making the time to do it again. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Colin. I usually don't cover equipment or apparel produced by established golf industry manufacturers, but I'm about to make an exception. While walking the exhibitor floor, I saw New Balance Golf and was curious to learn how they integrate decades of technological development of the high-performance running shoe space into their golf shoes. So I'm with Perry Reynolds with New Balance Golf. I was walking by their booth here, and since we're all about innovation, I'm seeing some really innovative things going on with their, their shoes here. So hey, Perry, welcome to the podcast, and, and tell, me, uh, tell me what's going on with New Balance this year. Great, thanks for having me, Colin. Um, so for 2019, we've got some new innovative product. Um, the biggest innovation we're working on this year is comfort. Our comfort story is our biggest key to us for 2019. The one thing we're talking about is Kush Plus insole. This Kush Plus insole, is comfort straight out of the box. It's brand new technology for us this year. We have it in multiple shoes in our line. Um, this Kush Plus insole is straight underfoot comfort as well as some performance to it. It's about seven millimeters thick, so it's nice and squishy underneath your foot. Nice, so, so I'm really interested to hear this, Perry. New Balance has been involved so long on the running side. I've ran in New Balance for years and years. Is that part of your secret sauce, your advantage of bringing, transporting all the technology you've learned over decades and, and dropping that into your golf shoes here? Does that really help you guys? Absolutely. Um, we, you know, we take from different departments in New Balance. You know, like you mentioned, running. Absolutely, that's a huge place where we take technology from, as well as baseball right. training. Um, we definitely grab and go technologies from those departments, and then we golfize it. So definitely work and see what works in other departments and bring it to the golf world. Nice. Now, you always need to find going to be quite literal here with a pun of customer fit, quite literally with a shoe, but what is the demographic, that persona that you look at? Who, who would you describe as the prototypical New Balance golf shoe wearer? We want to get that New Balance consumer, right? Right, right. So that person who is walking into the store wearing New Balance running shoes right. on their feet, that's who we're going for. Age-wise, that could be anywhere from 25 to 45, and then you're 55 to 75. So you're finding ones that are already fans of the brand or already come in and that's just easy for them because exactly. you've got that loyalty, that trust that's been built up over exactly. over, over decades. Yeah, they are our consumer. There we sure. go. So we were looking at two models here. So so once again, what's the differentiation between the, the two of them you have here? I know you got to paint pictures with your words here. 
Gary, but uh, but tell us about the two you're showing us here today. Okay, so the one first shoe we'll talk about, this is the Striker. This Striker is $100. It's a seven cleated TPU outsole. It has flex grooves in the outsole to move with the natural motion of your foot. It has a RevLite midsole, which we've taken from other departments in New Balance. It's, it's a squishy, but also performance midsole technology. For the upper, we have a Phantom Fit upper. This has these pieces along the saddle that help to secure your foot in the shoe. It's also a two-year waterproof warranty on this upper. Yep. And like I had mentioned earlier, the Kush Plus insole is in this shoe for extra comfort. And this has been our number one shoe so far this year. This is the NB Striker. Very nice, NB Striker. Then our second shoe we'll talk about is the NB Tour. This price is at $150. Again, it has a TPU outsole with nine cleats, flex grooves in the outsole to help move the natural motion of your foot. It also has a RevLite midsole, waterproof Phantom Fit upper. This has a RevLite insole, which again is another cushiony performance insole in this shoe. A lot of technology packed into this shoe for 150 Nice, you got the MB Tour and the MB Striker. We will get pictures of those and then make sure we include those in the show notes so people can see that. We're also gonna shoot a video here so uh, our listeners can go to our, our YouTube channel and, and also see me talking to Perry on there. So hey, one more question for you, Perry, to let you go, to get back to what you do here. We're always very interested in the podcast to hear kind of the backstory, uh, the culture of innovation at companies, especially established companies. Can you talk a bit about that as far as, far as the, the process and how you look ahead, a couple years ahead, and, and look for technology and have that entrepreneurial mindset within the, the company? Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. We're, um, you know, we're constantly innovating new technologies, right? So we have to look at trends to see what's going to work in a year, two years, three years out from now. So our planning is years in advance, um, and we do a lot of testing. We have different labs, different facilities that these shoes go through a lot of processes to see which technology works, which doesn't, um, and also depending on departments too, we help to pass things around to see what what works where. Right, so it sounds like you embrace that spirit of uh, experimentation to try many things and then to iterate as part of your design process. Absolutely. Awesome, that's great to hear. Well, hey, Perry Reynolds, New Balance Golf, thanks for your time today, really appreciate it. Thanks, Colin, appreciate it. Thanks Good for stuff. having me. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversations with Latina Golfers Association founder Azucena Moldonado, Tag Marshall co-founder and CEO Bodo Sieber, Tour Edge VP of Marketing John Claffey, Golf Sculpt founder Ryan Ingalls, and Perry Reynolds with New Balance Golf. I'd love to hear what you found interesting in this episode, and also your thoughts on what you'd like us to cover on future ones. So please email me at colin at modgolfpodcast.com, and I promise to get back to you. If you'd like to learn more about the PGA show and my guests, go to our episode show page where I've included links and photos to help you see what this annual four-day event is all about. I'd like to extend my gratitude and thanks to our sponsor partners, British Columbia Golf and Nextlinks, for helping make the Mod Golf podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from the golf industry's brightest innovators and influencers. Join me next time when I speak with Matt Pringle, who is the Senior Director for Research, Science and Innovation with the USGA. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more of our innovation stories on previous episodes at mod.golf or search Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes and sign up to receive our monthly newsletter while you're there. Before I go, I have one more ask. If you enjoy the Mod Golf Podcast, please encourage one friend to listen to your favorite episode. Support and endorsement from you, our listeners and fans, is the best and most authentic way to grow the Mod Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now.